as we look at this, you need to stay with me because we're going to be moving around a lot in Exodus and we're going to go to Genesis for a little bit. But I want you to see some things and it's going to all come together at the very end. So we're going to look at some verses. I want you to go, and this is a hard one to find, find Genesis 1-1. And I want you to find this and we're going to read some of these. So stay with me and you'll see where I'm going in just a second. I've got five questions to ask you and five questions to answer in this portion of scripture. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 36, 37, 38, and part of 39. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and God divided the light into the darkness. And God called the light and day, the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning was the first day. If you go on in verse number 6 through 8, you have the second day, atmosphere and air. The, the, the third one is 9 through 13. You have the dry land, the sea, and the plant life. If you were to look at 14 through 19, you'd have the fourth day, which is light, darkness, sun, and moon. On the 20th through the 23rd, you find the fifth day, which is fish and fowl. And on 24 through 31, you would find the sixth day, which would, would, would make animals or beasts, and it also would make man. So these are the six days God created the heavens and the earth. And you'll see where we're going with that in just a second. Now let's go back to Exodus chapter 36. And I want to, I want to go through Exodus chapter 36 and 38 and give you kind of a synopsis of what's happening in here. Exodus chapter 36 through Exodus chapter 38 is the assembling of the tabernacle. Very important now if you even look in history what, what's, what, what's going on in Israel right now. They're trying to build the temple. And so here you look at, and, and there is some aspects of this, and I'm going to just break this down so you understand. Everything that the tabernacle, the, the, the tabernacle needed, Moses is going to tell him how to do it, and he's going to be very detailed. So I would say this with this point is God is a detailed God. He knows all the details. And so as we look at this, I just want you to look, and I'm going to break this down so you can kind of see everything. In Exodus chapter 36, you have the inner curtains. It shows you how, to do, how they did the inner curtains. In verses 14 through 19, it's a curtains over the tabernacle, which is interesting because they use goat hair because goat hair is a very thick hair that they intertwined in it and it, and it protected the tabernacle. Verses 29, 20 through 30 are the boards for the tabernacle. Verses 31 through 34 are the bars for the tabernacle. The 35 and 36 is the veil for the tabernacle. Now 37 and 38 is the doorway. Then you, when you get into Exodus chapter chapter 37 verses 1 through 5 deal with the ark itself how they built the ark it says how they built it with wood how they inlaid it and all this and then in verses 6 through 9 it's a mercy seat verses 10 through 16 is the table that they make 17 through 24 even on the small aspects there's seven verses about the candlestick how they make the candlesticks in verses 25 through 28 is the altar is incense in verse 29 which wraps up the chapter is the anointing oil. In Exodus chapter 38, there's only three things mentioned in here. It's the altar for burnt sacrifice, the laver of brass, and then the north, south, east, and west courtyard. Shows you how to do it, gives you all the dimensions for it. Shows them how they built it, what they built it with, what kind of tapestries they use, what kind of um, woven, it talks woven materials, it talks about colors that they were using, talks about how they inlaid everything. It's interesting, and then how many of you went to our trip last year um, to Sight and Sound? What was interesting to me is when they were talking about the veil. 
You know, we, we hear in the New Testament how the veil was rent from the top to the bottom. Well, this man was showing us or telling us about how they made the veil in the Old Testament. And I was just anticipating a small veil. I forget how many, how many inches they said the veil was. I want to say it was like 32 inches wide. It was wide veil. And it was, it was wrapped and intertwined. There's no way you could go up and rip it with your hands. But isn't it interesting in the New Testament that God tore the, the veil from the top to the bottom, opening up the Holy of Holies so that we don't have to go into there. We can go and see him. We can talk to him personally. So this tabernacle really means a lot. And God is a God of detail. But I found out something. How many of you like numbers? I like numbers. How many of you are number people? How many of you are, are, are um, you like more of the English side of it? You like the, science, the, the history and the English. Well, I like math. And I like science. Well, there's a couple of verses in here that I want you to see in here. In Exodus chapter 38, he's already described everything. And then for some purpose, he gives us a detail that he doesn't give about any other thing. Go to verse number 24. Exodus chapter 34, 38, verses 24 says this. All the gold that was occupied for the work and all the work of the holy place, even the gold of the offering, was 20 and 9 talents. And 730 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. Now, in verse number 25, it says, And the silver of them that were numbered of the congregation was a hundred talents, and a thousand seven hundred and three score and fifteen shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. So he tells you exactly how much gold and silver that they used in this. To put this in perspective, I, I got all the numbers down. I figured out what they were. A shekel is 0.3 ounces. A talent is 66 pounds and 9 ounces. Now, when you multiply all this out, and what I did is I multiplied it out because I, I found this very interesting to figure out how much it would have cost if we were to build it today. Does anybody want to take a gander of how much it would have cost? Just Now, this is just the gold and the silver because there was precious stones and there there were other things that were very expensive, too. Some of the linens were very expensive. Would you say it was over $2 million? Anybody say it was over $2 million? In today's market. What about $3 million? Over $3 million? Anybody over $3 million? Anybody over $4 million? Anybody over $5 Man, you're just going to keep raising your hand. Anybody over $5 million? Over $6 million? Okay, well, let me tell you what it was. I, I figured it up on today's market. I went and looked it up, and on gold alone, the gold that Moses put on this, if you were to take today's market and all the inlays that he did, the gold would have cost $3,473,928. Now, that sounds like a lot, but magnify this by the time when they used this of how much it was worth. The silver, which was a lot more if you read the, read the story, there's more silver, but silver doesn't cost as much as gold. Silver was $1,751,085.03. When you add them both together just for the gold and the silver for the tabernacle, it kind of shows you that God wanted the best, amen? And as it goes into it, it is $5,277,013.03. That's how much it would have cost us to build what, if we wanted to say, Let's make a replica and do it exactly like it. Just the gold and silver would have been $5.3 million estimate. That's a lot of money. So when you look at this, today's market, 
and you see the gold and silver, you say, well, that's, that's, that's amazing, but what does that have to do with me? And how can I apply this to me today? Well, you know, I've got to preface this statement before we go into these five questions to say this. God is in control, and he has a plan. God is in control, and he has a plan. And you can see it in this story. Because I've got five questions to you, and I want you to think in your mind these five questions about this. I try to put myself in the perspective of how they got all this and where did it come from. My five questions would be this. And some questions are very easy to answer. The first one is, where did this gold and silver come from? Number two, what made the people keep these objects? Because they all turn it in. Three, how did they know how to build all these things? Now watch, if, 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 if I ask some people in here to build something, they could do it. If I ask other people, I don't know if they could do it. Then make us less if we don't know how, and those it doesn't make them greater that they know how, but how did they learn how to do all these things? Number four, what's going on today and how can we apply this story in our lives? And number five is this question, does God still forgive today? Because there's so much going on, you just go, does God, is God in a forgiving mode? He is. But I want to point out some things to you with these stories. So let's look at these five questions. And I, and I want to, before we get into the first one, of where did this all come from, you've got to understand one story. Now, you've got to remember, we're going to go from chapter to chapter. We're in Exodus, what, 36 through 38. Go to Exodus chapter 32, and I want to point out something to you. Exodus chapter 32, before we look at the first question, look in verse number 1 and 2, and it says this. In Exodus chapter 32, it says, And when the people saw that Moses was laid to come out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods, little g, which shall be go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, out of the, out of the, I'm sorry, out of the land of Egypt, we not, we not, we want not what is to become of him. Now watch this, verse number two. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. Now jump over to verse number, and this is an interesting verse. Verse number twenty. Now Moses comes back down in this chapter and something is said in verse number 20. It's, let's start in verse number 19. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp when he saw the calf and the dancing of Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the table out of, the, out of his hands and break them beneath his mount. Now watch in verse number 20. And he took the calf which they had made. Now what did they make it out of? Gold. He took the calf that was made and burned it in the fire. He threw it in the fire and ground it into powder. And to make matters worse, just to show you how mad he was at these people, look what he tells them, and ground it into power, and strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. So what happened to this gold? It's gone. They have basically drank it. Can you imagine what that tastes like? I would say it's probably bitter. But here... He gets rid of the, all that gold. That calf, I don't know how big that calf was, but I don't think it was a small calf, and I think it was probably solid gold. So all that gold is gone. So my question to you is where that gold come from? Well, let's look at some things in, in the story, and I want you to see this. It wasn't like they were living in modern-day times. They couldn't call 1-800-WE-BUY-GOLD.COM to get their gold. Where did it come from? Hmm. 
Well, the Bible tells you where it comes from if you just study some of the verses. The first one we've got to look at is go back to Exodus chapter 7. Again, I told you we're going to turn to a lot of chapters. Exodus chapter 7 and verse number, um, Exodus chapter 7 is the, is the first plague. And so when he gets the first, he gets the first plague in here, um, the, the first plague on Egypt is Exodus chapter 7, correct? Well, jump back to Exodus chapter 3. Remember I told you that God is in control and he has a plan. Exodus chapter 3 is before the first plague, but something is told to these people in Exodus chapter 3. Look at verse number 19. It says in verse number 19, it says, And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. And this is God talking to Moses. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Now, he does not tell Moses when, the, when this is going to happen. But in verse number 21, And I will give this people favor on the side of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. So my point is, before the first plague ever happened, God had a plan to build the tabernacle, but he had to get the supplies for them. Keep reading in verse number 22. But every, every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and of her that sojourneth in, in her house jewels of what? Silver, and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Now remember... When Aaron asked for the gold, what does he say? He says, get the gold off your, off your wives, your sons, and your daughters. That's where he's getting this from. Because they had put all these, these things on them. Where did we get this? God is in control. He gets them to borrow things from the Egyptians. Now, when I think of the Egyptians, I always think of gold. Do you not? When you think of an, an Egyptian pharaoh, do you not think of somebody that has a lot of gold on them? I do. I always think of the, the color gold and black for some reason. They always wear those in, in my, what we look at. But here they have all this gold and they have all these jewels. And what they do is where do they get these things? They don't get them from Lowe's. They don't get them from Walmart. They don't get them from things we get. God had a plan the whole time and God was in control. And all that gold that was for the calf is gone. So where did they get them? They got this from the Egyptians. My second question would be this. What made the people keep these objects? If they all were behind Aaron, all the gold would have been brought in. But all the gold was not brought in. Let's look at some other verses. Um, after the 10th plague, go to Exodus chapter 12. And let's look at these verses here. Exodus chapter 12. After the 10th plague, in Exodus chapter 12, verse number 29. I know we're going through a lot of verses, but I want you to see this. It says in 29, this is, this is the 10th plague, and it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, unto the firstborn of the captive that was on in, in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of, ca of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all of his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. So here the tenth plague comes along, and again, they don't know when this is going to happen, when God's going to let them go, but on the tenth plague, he says, listen, get out of here. Now follow along in verse number 31. I'm going to read all the way to verse number 36. It says, 31, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. 
Also take your flocks and your herds, as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we'd be all dead men. Basically, if we don't get rid of these Israelites, they're cursing us, we're going to all die. Get out of here. We don't want you here anymore. Keep reading. The people took their dough before it was leavened, their, their, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Now, you've got to picture yourself what's going on here. They, everything in Egypt has been destroyed. Their economy is, is just downtrodden. They've lost everything. Their animals are gone. You think about some of their properties destroyed. Now they've lost their firstborn. And they don't know this because this is the 10th time that Moses has went up there. Finally, with the death angel, he says, listen, get out of here. So what, what happens with the Israelites is they have to move, and they have to move quickly. And you've got to put yourself in their, 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 their portrayal of this. They grab what they can and what they can carry, and they take it with them. They don't have a U-Haul. They have whatever they can, and they're taking their flocks, too. Because it even points that out because they need the flocks for more than one thing. They need the sheep for the wool. They need the, 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 the cows for the milk. And you can go all the way through this. They, they've got all this plan of what they're doing. But they have to move quickly. It would be almost like us moving overnight saying, okay, we need to leave. Can you imagine what would happen? Would you have some things you would take with you? Let's say you're in your, in your 80s and this happens. Are you going to carry a backpack that, that, that weighs 200 pounds and carry it out there? Probably not. You know what you're going to do? You're going to take the things that are valuable to you. Now, they understood in Egypt, gold and silver were precious things. And so they took those things. And they carried it all out. And, and I can almost picture families having like almost a treasure chest that had all their valuables in it. We can't even understand this because we have a lot of valuables, right? Do you not think you have a lot of valuables? I mean, I've heard of stories where people, their house catches on fire and men have extra, extra strength and they're carrying out things that they could never, ever carry out. TVs that are gigantic and they're carrying them out because they, they, they have to have these things. Well, if you had to leave overnight and you knew you were going on a journey, you didn't know how long the journey was, you'd be bringing some precious things that, that meant a lot to you. Somewhere along the line, they had gold and silver and all of them had it. It tells you in the chapters how many men were in here. In, in, in Exodus, I think it's 37, it tells you how many men were found above 20 and above. So there's a lot of families that had all these things, and picture, if you will, a treasure chest of just what they had because this is all they had. They, didn't, they couldn't bring all their furniture. They couldn't bring all their things that they owned. But they brought what was important to them, and they also brought what God was going to use later on. So where did they get this? Where, where did they get it from? They got it from the Egyptians. And then the second thing was, um, why didn't they give it? I don't know why they didn't give it to Aaron, but they had more of it than what you can even imagine because of what they did for the, for the tabernacle. So we have all these things. And so what made the people keep these objects? They were something that was precious to them. And they saw what the golden calf did. It did nothing. 
They had to drink the bitter water, and now they're building a tabernacle that they know God's in it because they trust Moses. So the third question is this. This is the easiest question of them. How did they know how to build all these things? You know how they knew how to build all these things? They'd done it in Egypt. You study Egypt and you look at the history of Egypt, you'll find out that Egypt was way above the times. And then what else did they learn? They learned how to make things out of nothing with Egypt. Did they not? Remember Egypt, what, the Pharaoh got so mad at him, he started taking things away where they couldn't build certain things. And they were building it better than what they had when they had the supplies. So how did they know how to build all these things? How did they know how to build all the tabernacles? How did they know how to do all these it was what, what they had learned when they were in Egypt. We sure do serve a great God. When we don't think God's in control, he's still in control. When we don't know what's happening, he still knows what's happening. He has a plan. And so we look at all these things and go, wow, how in the world, how in the world did they know how to do these? They knew these because God put them through the fire. Isn't there things you learn every day? I like to know things, so I try to ask a lot of questions. It might drive people crazy. When Alan comes over to my house and he fixes something, I ask him. He tells me. And, and, and I don't know half the words he's saying. <laughs> uh, Russ Mosier, I was asking him. He, he, he's, he works with sleep apnea things. And he was telling me all these things I need to do. He's not here to defend himself, so I'm going to tell you what he told me. He said, you make sure that, they, that you tell them that you want very sensitive, non-sensitive um, um, applic applicators on you when they do the um, sleep apnea. I wrote all that down. At the very end of the conversation, he said, I was just kidding. There's no such thing as those. <laughs> I was going to ask that guy that, and he, and he was making these things up. So, you know, we, we learn by doing things. If you look at some of the things the Egyptians had, the pyramids, isn't that amazing? The Israelites had a part of those. And so when they're pulled out and they're not with them anymore, they have to build a tabernacle. Building a tabernacle, I'm telling you right now, is a lot easier than building a pyramid. Can you imagine? I, I don't know if you can. I, I look at this and go, I'm not an engineer. I don't even want to try to figure this out. But I can't understand the magnitude of bringing the, the top piece to the top of that um, pyramid. Knowing how much it weighed. And I know they used mechanisms and they used pulley systems. They did all these things. But that was beyond what they knew. They knew things because of Egypt. And Egypt allowed them because Egypt had money to understand how to work things. So God had a plan the whole time and he was in control. Are you thankful that he's in control? I'm thankful he's in control. I'm thankful he has a plan. Now, remember when we read Genesis? You say, why did you read Genesis chapter 1? Because of the fourth question. What's going on today? I don't know really exactly everything that's going on, but God does have a plan and he has a purpose. And just like the Israelites going out of Egypt, God has a plan for us in 2020. Don't get discouraged when you see things. You know, when I read this morning that New York City, the council just budgeted out one to one and a half billion dollars out of the police department. 
You know what that made me do, Bobby? It made me go, and I told my wife, I said, we need to go visit New York City and go to a play. That'd be great to go to. Anybody think that? I thought, okay, we're never going there again. They can have all the social workers they want, but I want somebody with a black and white outfit with a gun on his side. If I'm not doing anything wrong, he's not gonna, I'm not going to be mad at him. And I don't care what color he is. I have a son that's a, that is a police officer, and he is getting razzed because everything's going on. It, when we do things, it just doesn't make any sense in 2020. It just doesn't make any sense. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we have everything we need. We're going we're gonna to bring social workers in, and we're going to do more teen activities. I've worked with teenagers long enough. In a Christian school, you catch people stealing things. I've said this story before. We had a girl stealing money from, our, from all the girls in our school out in California. And so I went to a, a police officer and said, listen, I need to catch this. This person's stealing a lot of money. I said, well, this is what you do. And he gave me, I don't know, Pete, have you ever seen that powder? It's a powder you put on stuff, and if somebody touches it, turns their skin blue. I'd never heard of that before. He goes, don't get it on you because it will not come off. So I put a $20 bill in a girl's um, purse, and we baited it, put it in there. Soon, there's a girl that had, it was, it was hot. She had a full hoodie on, and she had her hands wrapped in, up in the hoodie. The thing I did not tell you is when you wash your hands, water activates the blue stuff, and it just goes even deeper. So she's sitting in my office, and I said, Hun, I said her name. I said, what's going on with you? I said, aren't you hot with the hoodie? She goes, oh, yeah, it's all right. I'm okay. And, and then I, somehow I saw her fingers. I said, well, can you tell me something? Why is your hand blue? She goes, I don't know, Pastor Wag Brother Wagner. I just don't know. I don't know where it came from. I mean, I caught her. And then she said, and then she undid her, and her, both of her hands were, looked like she looked like a baby Smurf. And so then, then she's, she's looking at, I'm looking at her hands, and I said, what's going on with it? She said, okay, I, I took the money. I said, yeah, I know you did, because that has powder on it. You can't get it off. What I did not tell you is, it was my secretary's daughter. I had to release her from the school. I would have given her $20 if she'd asked me to. We're not good people, naturally. When we look at these things and we see these things, we don't understand what's going on. But in 2020, when you look at this story, what's it mean for you? Go to Genesis chapter 1. I want to show you how God has a plan. Genesis chapter 1. And we didn't read this, but I want you to go to verse number 9, Genesis chapter 1. This is very interesting. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. And it says this, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Aren't you thankful we have a God that can do this? And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning was the third day. Go back to verse number 10. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together. He, he makes dry land. Now when he makes dry land, don't, don't underestimate who God is. Because way back then, and, and I believe that the earth is about 6,000 years old. 
pretty close to that. And I believe that when God made the earth, he made everything in the earth. He didn't have to recreate. And there's people that believe that he recreated some things. I don't think he did. I think he created the way he did. And then, of course, of course when Noah gets in, he restructured some of the earth. You say, well, does that ever happen? Absolutely it happens. You go to Indiana, you drive up the Indiana border. The Indiana border, southern border, is on the Ohio River. But when you go up through um, Vincennes, not Vincennes, um, Evansville, you'll drive past the Ohio River, and you'll drive about four or five miles, and then you'll see, welcome to Indiana. You say, well, why did it do that? It's because it did this one day when they had a flood, and it rerouted the Ohio River. It used to be up there. Things like that happen all the time. God knows what he's doing. So when I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, God in Genesis chapter 1 knew who Thomas Edison was. Do you believe that? I believe it. I believe God knew who Henry Ford was. I believe when God made the earth, he, he made all these things. He made rubber for us in the plants. He made... He made plastic, he made oil, he made natural gas, he made coal. God made all these things for us. God gave man the capacity and the capability to invent and build. So what's going on in 2020? When you look at Genesis chapter 1, you see that God had a plan way back then for us now. We serve a great God that has a plan. And then the last question I ask you, does God still forgive today? Think God still forgives? Aren't you thankful for God's forgiveness? How many of you are thankful for God's forgiveness? Anybody done anything wrong lately? Well, tell us what it is. No, don't do, don't do that. But how many of you, Landon, what have you done wrong lately? Landon's got his hand up. I don't know what he's got done wrong. But he was with he was with Teresa all day today, so there's probably a lot of things wrong. But he was guilty by association, so don't worry about that, Landon. Um, but we all have things that we're, we're supposed to be forgiven for. We ask God for forgiveness all the time, don't we? You ever messed up? God forgave you, and he forgets it. That's what's amazing about this. Well, if I can prove to you that God forgave back in biblical times of this, do you not think God forgave the Israelites all the time? I mean, there's chapters where Moses is saying, they're your people, they're not my people. They're your people, they're not my people. Yes, I'll work with them. In one point, he says, listen, forgive them or blot my name out of the book. <coughs> he loved these people, Moses did. But he also understood God was a God of forgiveness. Now, we got to remember that. Because when in 2020, there's a lot of people doing wrong things, but God can forgive them. He is a God of forgiveness. You ever read stories in the Bible and go, I don't understand that. I just, I just don't understand it. Let me show you what really confuses me about this whole story. Randy, there's a, there's a story of forgiveness in this that is out of this world. Let's look at the story. Let's look at a couple of verses and we'll be done. Genesis chapter 32. Let's go to Genesis chapter 32. Forgiveness is evident in the story of the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. God forgave a nation and he'll forgive you. God is still in the forgiving business even on a personal level. Go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 32 and follow along with me. And watch this. I think you're going to figure it out before I get to the end of it. But Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 says this. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. We don't know where he's at. 
And Aaron spake unto them, break, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. Jump over to verse number 22. And Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. That is a funny verse to me because he's the one that set the whole thing up. And he says, you know those people. You know, it's like me going, you know those people at Bible Baptist. You know how their attitude is. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about. I can name names if I want to. Right? I mean, I, I, I got two guys that are in a burning building last week. And look what they did. Amen. You remember what I'm talking about? We're all different, aren't we? Here he says, listen, God, these people are terrible. Keep reading how God answers him. And, and verse number 35, jump over to verse 35. It says, And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf. Look at the last three words in this chapter. Which Aaron made. Aaron is a rascal. He is someone that if you don't watch over, you have no earthly idea what's going to happen. I've had staff members like that before. I'm thankful for Daniel. I had one staff member out in California. I had no earthly idea what he was going to do half the time. I walk out and I look out in my window and I see everybody looking up. We had a three-story building. I saw everybody looking up and I was like, what is going on? Between the second and the third, third story, there was an awning. I think it was just cosmetic. But the kids would throw their balls and they'd land up there. And it was, the, the building was like this, and the awning was cut like this. And some of the balls would get stuck up there. So I see all these people looking, and I walk out, and there's a boy that one of my teachers has allowed to get on the roof of the building and bring his best friend, which is smaller than him, and he is holding his best friend's feet over the side of the building to grab the balls to throw them out. And the teacher is guiding them along the way. A little bit to the left. I look out and this son, that the boy below him is all concrete. I look out and the boy's mother is watching the whole thing like, and she doesn't want to tell the guy what to do. But I wish she would have. I wish she would have just filled his ear with something. I walk out, and I'm the only one that has horse sense in the whole thing. There's 25, 30 people, adults watching, and then there's kids everywhere. I yelled at the boys. I said, get him off the roof and come down here. And I'll never forget the guy's name, and Ann knows who it is. Never knew what he was going to do. He goes, I didn't think about that. I said, you didn't think about him falling, hitting his head, two stories on the concrete, his mom, right in front of his mom. You don't see that? You're called a liability. Some people don't make any sense. And as, as I looked at that story, I thought, man, I've had people that were incompetent with certain things. Well, that doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. We've got to be very careful with what we're doing. Here's Aaron, and he says, listen. They come and say, listen, Moses is gone. Well, get all your earrings together. These people, are, these people are just, they just don't listen to you. And then God labels him and says, listen, you're the one that built it. Let's go to another verse and we'll be done. Go to Exodus chapter 39. A couple verses later. Interesting verse. 
They've already set up everything for the tabernacle. They've built it. They know the size it needs to be. And when you get to Exodus chapter 39, which is after Exodus chapter 32, you read this story. And of the blue and purple and scarlet, they made cloths of service to do service to, in the holy place and made the holy garments for, who's the next word? Don't think God forgives? He does forgive us. Sometimes we don't do the right thing, God. But God still forgives us. Aaron wasn't used as much as he could have been. But God still showed forgiveness. And really, God had every right to cut him down dead with what he did. So listen to me. Don't think you've ever done anything that God won't forgive. Because he does forgive. And these people that are doing what they're doing, they're just acting out what they, what they know to do. And we look, at it, we look at it as conservatives and go, what in the world are these people thinking? I was excited about that couple defending their house with their guns. I thought that was cool. I have the same gun at my house, just to let you know. And I have a lot more 9 millimeters. I have, I have almost exactly the same thing. I have about eight, ten guns at my house. And you know what? I'm not going to let someone come in and take my stuff. God sure does forgive us, doesn't he? We've just got a generation that's not thinking. We've got a generation that's not thinking. So let's review those questions one more time. The first question was this. If I can find it. Um, first question was this. Where did these um, gold and silver come from? God had a plan. And he, and, he, and he followed that plan. God was in control. What made the people keep these objects? They got them from, from Egypt. And they would use them from Egypt. How did they know how to build all these things? Egypt again. And you know, if you study Egypt in the Old Testament, Egypt is always the it is always labeled as what the world. You can learn some things from the world, but we've got to understand that our main focal point needs to be God, not the world. Number four, what's going on today? I don't understand it, but I can look at this story and see that God was in control. And if he built the firmament and he built all these things for us, he's still in control now. And last but not least, how does God, does God still forgive today? He absolutely does forgive. You know, when he, when he forgives you, there's always consequences to our sin. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Remember that verse we studied Sunday? And then how's it end? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God always corrects. He's got a plan, and he knows what's going on. And if when I watch the news now, I, I see God's plan unfolding right in front of our very eyes. And if you really want to know what's going on, study what's going on in the Middle East right now. Amazing what's going on in Israel itself. We serve a God that knows what he's doing and has a plan. Lord, I thank you for your word.